0: hello and welcome to the pediatric network my name is mike marinas i am your chiropractor and host here for everything pediatric and today i am so glad to be talking to
1: well
0: not exactly the other side of the world but new york new york's pretty far away hi lisa balladino how are you
1: hi mike i'm fine how are you
0: Not too bad, not too bad. All the better for chatting with you. Um, I'd like to introduce you to the Pediatric Network family. It's wonderful that you've, uh, you've said yes to share some time with us here. So I'm really looking forward to having a good chat with you. Um, so Lisa runs a podcast uh, just uh, just like we do here, which is why I kind of a little bit of a kindred spirit. And if I can find someone who's keen on the same things I am, you know, it's always always good to have a chat. And it's the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. So if you haven't already got that in your podcast player, go and grab that and put it in. Um, it just hit a wonderful milestone, which I'm sure we'll talk about now, which we've got uh, getting all sorts of listens and downloads and, and all sorts is great. Um, what what inspired you to get involved? A midwife, a lactation consultant, got this practice on the go, it's got all sorts of facets to it. What inspired you to get into a
1: podcast? That's a great question. And First of all, I just want to say thank you for inviting me to be on the show. It's an honor. I, I um, have looked at the work you're doing and it's amazing and it's right up my alley so I'm so happy to be here on this interview today Um, what made me start a podcast was first of all I love to chat and and I was doing this thing where every week I have I have an Instagram tongue-tie experts and every week I would do a live and chat with my audience and I realized that not everybody was getting that that's that's dependent on an algorithm and hashtags and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, you know what, I have a lot to say. I, I started doing interviews on there and I was like, I could do this as a podcast. I don't see a podcast dedicated to tongue tie, right? So I said, I think this needs to be done. There's so many as- um, aspects of tongue tie that people don't know about. Let me, let me see if this works. And I'm very lucky because my husband is a musician and he does his own recording and editing. So he was like, well, I have the microphones and we can set you up and I'll edit it out for you and make it sound good. And he even made my little music intro and outro for me. So it's kind of like a family project. If we don't kill each other, we'll keep going. Um, And I decided that I wanted to get, not only professional stories out but i think it's important for parents and professionals to hear the stories of parents and families who have been through the in intricacies and ups and downs of tongue-tie diagnosis and treatment so i not only invite experts onto the podcast but i'm trying to make it even experts um, professionals and parents because as i like to say even though I call myself t- tongue-tie Experts, I'm not the expert. Hmm. The, the real experts are the families who have gone through this, you know, wow. and, and that's that. why I want to do this more than, you know, more than anything else.
0: I really, really like that because I think that's one of the things we definitely strive for in the in, in the pediatric network is to understand that the 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 moms and dads are as much as we are guides along the along the path here, these are the heroes, you know, these are the rock stars of the story. And I loved that. And it was one of the things I was really keen to bring up about your podcast um, is that it's, yes, there are maxilla, uh, facial surgeons on there. You talk, as you were saying, you talk to other IBCLCs and all sorts. But then there was like Sarah's journey, which is in there. Right. Is fantastic. And then you've got, you know, uh, actual from, the, uh, and, and I think that's one of the things that I've learned after years of practice is if I close my mouth, I might learn something really important, you know? And and I might learn something that is a trend through parents that I'm not gonna get from a book, but I'm gonna get- Absolutely.
1: And parents' experience matters, right? And and their instinct matters. And I've made it my mission, even in my clinical in-person practice, to help parents to find their instinct because the instinct has been learned out of us. We don't trust our parent instincts anymore, but to listen to their parents' instinct and learn to trust it and guide what they're going to do for their children in that way. So there's information overload, you know, and I'm obviously contributing to the information out there, hopefully in a, in a balanced way. Um, but I, I even tell, like I had a mom here today and I said to her, If you think that what I'm saying doesn't feel right, let me know and don't listen to me. You know, you have to follow. I I really believe that a mom knows what's right for her baby in her heart, in her gut. And it's important to get the education and get the information and then make their own informed decision. Like I would never tell a family that they had to get a tongue tie released ever, ever, ever. You know, and honestly, some of the hardest things, there are some people that have no problem going to the surgeon for the procedure. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time convincing parents that chiropractic care is important for their babies. And I'm not sure if it's different in the UK, but there's a fear here sometimes Mm -hmm. about chiropractic care for babies. And I don't understand it because I grew up going to a chiropractor. So I don't get that, but I don't know if that's a universal thing or is it just a New York thing? I think um, you know,
0: the the more strides we make away from people thinking that um, you know, we we're we we're, we're not evidence-based and you know, we're just in there to see babies a million times and we're just trying to fool their heads with all sorts. And I think the more people start to realize that we're part of a cohesive team. And we, when we work well within the system and we're not like this rogue thing on the outside. And I think that's where the issue yeah. comes in a lot of the time that people kind of feel, well, I'll send you two. but But again, one of the things that I've definitely found over time is, um, with my referrals out, I I kind of almost forget what the job is of the person that I'm referring out to. I just know that that person is really good with that. I can't remember really if they're a physio or a chiropractor or an osteopath, but but I tell you what, with shoulders, they're incredible. Right, and, and that's what it comes down to. And I think you know we've got to get through that. But yeah, there is a perception um, yeah. in, in, in different places. I feel it quite differently uh, in the UK than I did in in, in South Africa. Um, And I think there's, I think there are a couple of barriers to break down. But that's the wonderful thing about being in a profession like chiropractic and working with pediatrics is there's so much scope to be able to educate, there's so much scope to be able to help and there's such a road to be able to walk here um mm-hmm. to be able to you know uh be able to work uh, you know cohesively with the rest of the professions and i think a lot of us are striving for that at the moment i know in my position at the moment at the moment uh with with the royal college of chiropractors that's a big thing for us is is, is to be mm-hmm. able to get into those into those groups you know and into those uh, multidisciplinary almost uh, you know care setups
1: Right. I, I love multidisciplinary um, practice and also learning. And that's part of why it's part of what brought me into tongue tie practice, I believe. So when I, fi- when I first started being a lactation consultant, I was a midwife first. Mm. And as a midwife, we're non-interventionary. I don't want to do anything that doesn't have to be done. So when I first heard about infants going to have their tongue ties, something surgically done to their mouths, I I was very skeptical because I was thinking, why would so many babies need a procedure to do what's natural to them? So I thought it was a lot of BS Mm -hmm. to put it in very New York language. (laughs) Then I had a run of kids, a run of babies, that with all of my lactation skills, I could not help them. Yeah. I couldn't get them to latch in a way that was comfortable for their parents. And I couldn't get them to eat efficiently transfer milk. And then I, I kind of started here, maybe this tongue tie thing is something I should look at. And I went to the first conference about it in, um, it was in Montreal in Canada and i walked into this room and i felt like i met my people you ever go into a room and you look around and you're like you're hearing the conversations and you're looking at the lineup and and i was just like i am where i'm supposed to be this feels so right to me and i sat next to someone who is now one of the other leaders as an L C who teaches but she was it was her first time learning too. And the presenters are now my friends Mm. because the the thing that drew me in mostly, other than finding solutions for babies, Mm. it was the first conference that I ever went to where every type of provider was treated with the same respect. Uh, It wasn't like this one's more important because they have an MD or that one's more important because they're a nurse. It was, it was everyone was treated with the same respect. And there were body workers and doctors and dentists and pediatricians. And um, there were scientists and um, lactation consultants and all different kinds of people. And everyone was respecting each other and listening to each other. It wasn't the doctor people went to the doctor lecture and the nurse people went to the nurse lecture. It was everyone together respecting each other and learning together. And I've run with that model for my tongue tie course for professionals. It's open to every type of professional, because I feel like if we don't learn together or learn, if I don't learn from, um, like I've learned from physical therapists, their view of how they treat tongue tie and chiropractors, their view of how they treat tongue tie. If they don't learn my language around it, then we can't communicate with each other to help the families, right? So I've gotten a little slack because I got to tell you, IBCLCs were a little bit of a tough crowd and we get our, we get a little uptight when we're thinking that anyone else is learning our scope of practice things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've gotten a little slack about the multidisciplinary part of it. People are saying to me, why would you teach a doula or, or a, an OT or a chiropractor, about assessing for tongue tie. And I defend it every with everything in my being. I have no doubts that it's the right thing to do because most babies don't ever see an IBCLC, number one. Mm. right? And so these tongue ties are getting mixed, missed. Families are getting missed. Families aren't meet, meeting their breastfeeding goals and there's not enough help to help them. So everybody needs to recognize it. right? If I could get the pediatricians in my course, I, I'd like throw a celebration because that's where it really has to start. But but I'm I'm getting a lot of um, a lot of speech language pathologists. Um, I have a PT, an OT. I have a dentist in my course right now, and we're learning together. And I'm not just lecturing. I mean, there's you know there's a lecture part, but then we get together and we discuss things, you know, and we're learning input from all the different professions, and that can only advance all of us, right? Absolutely.
0: I think you know the one thing for me that, that's so important and you and you really touched on it now is it's that almost that no child left behind policy. And mm-hmm. if you are a, a primary provider, so if you're someone that parents can walk off the street into your office with, with their baby, mm-hmm. this should be a skill that you have. Not and and again, the scope of practice is quite interesting because I need to be able to know enough to be able to pass it on to the person that then knows more.
1: Exactly. That
0: needs to yeah. be what I'm, that's my part. And then if I have a part in co-management of that, wonderful, but mm-hmm. I'm not the lead on that because the IBCLC is the lead on that. And that's always kind of how I've worked with mm-hmm. um, with, with with that kind of thing.
1: Right and, right,
0: and to be able to have anyone, that's why also on Pediatric Network, we want to teach to, to everyone, you know, if we can teach red flags, to every single provider of 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 you know of, of, uh, pediatric healthcare, when they walk into the office and you can have everyone going, hang on a second, that's not right. I know that mm-hmm. that's not right. Let me send them all straight away. And I think like the ethos of what we've always tried to do is that your understanding always has to be wider than your scope. Because- I love if, that. If your understanding is there, then you know where these people need to go and it also gets rid of this idea of my patient or right. my client. It, it, it goes, a client, a patient, how do I get the best result for that person? I know where the best result is. I've picked up a basic here and it's mm-hmm. not for me to go, do posterior tongue ties exist? Don't they do that? You know what? Right. There is, there is a mechanical issue in here that, I can work and work until the cows come home. But if I don't like, A, get someone who really knows about feed positioning, who really knows about how to get mom on board with what's happening, uh, you know, if I don't get that on the go and someone who can do a proper, like whatever you use, hat lift, whatever you use to be able to really do a proper, proper examination and then to decide send off or not, my job is not complete in that. So I think yeah. that's, you know, that's that's that, that's my kind of, goal for anything that I do with 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 tongue tie with the chiropractors with whoever is we must have a scope of understanding that's bigger than what we actually are out there to do
1: I totally agree and it's not just about tongue tie it could be about other things too like um, I just did a podcast about infant food allergies and how sometimes the symptoms of tongue tie overlap with that Now, I'm not an expert on infant food allergies, but I know someone who is. So if I found, I mean, I know the basics of how to start evaluating and doing some basic elimination diets, but if the the simple little things that I know don't work, I'm not going to keep that patient in my practice. I'm going to expand them and recommend them to the person who is the expert on that. And, you know, similarly, the way that... um, some pediatricians will say for sure, "Oh, there's no tongue tie there," and and they don't they don't really know how to assess for tongue tie. You know, I like to say, well, then you ask them then what they think is going wrong. What are they going to do to help you breast
0: hmm.
1: breastfeed if if it's not a tongue tie? You know, um, but we we have a lot of pediatricians, and I hate to badmouth pediatricians because they're all great pediatricians, and pediatricians are good at what they do. But around here, we have less input and less teamwork mm. in general from pediatricians yeah. and they, they are skeptical, but they're skeptical of breastfeeding in general. They say they support it, but they really haven't learned how to support it. They don't know how to manage breastfeeding. So I had a, a patient just yesterday who was told at a, at five days old and the baby had only lost like 7% of its birth weight The pediatrician told her that she wasn't making enough milk and the baby was too hungry and she had to give formula, didn't even tell her to start pumping and give breast milk. You have to give formula. And she left the office crying. She was crying when she was telling me about it. And to to get this kind of messaging from a health professional who you're trusting Without any like, oh, breastfeeding's not working. Maybe I should send it to the breastfeeding professional. No word about that. Yeah. And to me, that's malpractice. You know, I mean, that's not. That's not first do no harm. Um, that's not supporting that family in their goals. You know, the yeah. the ultimate goal of of a baby is not weight gain. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's well, successful breastfeeding.
0: It, it, it is, is indeed amazing, and, right. And I- and I'll tell you one thing is, that's definitely where I give I give props to my South African pediatricians. The South African pediatricians are all all the guys that I know are are on it, 100%. And they work so that's nicely with lactation consultants. They're really, really are fantastic people. Um, in, in the UK, you don't meet many because they're okay. kind of behind a, a big brick NHS wall.
1: <laughs> you oh, all right. don't
0: meet many. Uh, one or two. Uh, and, and but, but this is exactly what we're trying to say, I think, in this uh-huh. wider scope is that we've all got our niche inside there. Yeah. And, and if we can do our job mm-hmm. and understand each other's jobs, and I think that's maybe where the difference comes in. I'm not doing your job, but I do understand your job. And the better mm-hmm. I understand your job, the better I can facilitate people towards you. Um, or towards someone else or whatever, but the more understanding I have, and I think that's something that we've definitely taken a long time to, under, to understand. I remember once getting, uh, I, th- I, I had a talk rejected somewhere or the other, because I, would, I think it was bringing in a, a sleep therapist or something to speak to people. And they went, well, chiropractors don't need to, they, they don't work with sleep. I'm like, well, but they work with sleep deprived babies. And, and if right. we're going to be able to send them somewhere, we need to have the basics so first of all not sound like idiots the second of all you know to have the, the basic science around it and to be able to discern a problem or this is okay and we can carry on and as long as I right. can discern the problem and send them off I'm not trying to be a sleep expert I'm not trying to right. be a tongue tie expert I'm not trying to be a whatever expert I'm a musculoskeletal expert that's fine um, but from there to be able to move them to move them along is I suppose it's just a, right. it's a passion of mine Absolutely. I why I and,
1: I and with, with the subject of sleep I mean that goes into airway so often a baby who's having trouble with sleep is having airway issues already manifesting in infancy, which mm-hmm. is a structural problem that has to be addressed to prevent future health, right? Oh, to, to facilitate future mm-hmm. health. Um, but yeah, learning each other's scopes and learning each other's roles is part of what I'm doing with the podcast as well, mm-hmm. because I feel... Feel like I'm almost um, like when I'm speaking to different professionals, and and I call it you know different team members that I interact with. I'm introducing their work and what they specialize in to other members of the healthcare team and to parents, so that if they are in an office someday and somebody says, "I think your baby," Needs this kind of particular care, and that's done by an occupational therapist. They'll know what an occupational therapist is mm-hmm. because they've heard me interview the occupational therapist mm-hmm. who specializes in, say, the tummy time method or, you know, other specific methods. So I think I'm I'm like giving a platform for interdisciplinary learning and in. And introducing different types of providers to different types of providers. I never used to understand the difference between an occupational therapist and a physical therapist. Hmm. Now I do, you know, and and that's it. And I never never understood the role of a speech language pathologist. When I, I worked at the hospital for 28 years before I started my private practice, I never knew that a speech language pathologist could help with infant feeding. Now I know that and I know there are certain speech language pathologists who I want on my team and I need because they've had that specific training and they're life saving to some of the infants that I can't help with, you know, so and when to refer on and off. And that's my I mean, if you looked at my thread on my phone, my busiest thread is between myself and the SLP, who's a feeding therapist in my town, we're constantly collaborating. You know, on, on, I find this, what about this? What did you see in her? This bottle isn't working for so-and-so, you know, and we're, we're always collaborating and who wins in that situation? The patients, right? The, The families are getting the help they need.
0: Without doubt. I remember we had uh, Andrea, who's, uh, who's uh, speech and language on, on pediatric network. She came on and she did, a, she did an interview. And I remember saying to her, you know, right, right in the beginning when I thought like speech and language is exactly the same thing. You know, the first thing that all the parents say is, but they don't talk yet.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I used to think it was like, because I took care when I first worked as a nurse, I was on the floor where there were a lot of old people and we got the SLP to come come check them when they were having trouble swallowing. Like, that's what I thought they did. Like, I had no idea. So, and I worked at the hospital for years and I had no idea. So I think it's important for us to, as you said, learn each other's scopes so that we know who to refer to, who does what. And for a business standpoint, we get more business when we're networking. You know, I mean, absolutely, 100%. Not only that, we make more friends and friends are good. And you open communication and you learn together and you refer each other, you know, as a team for necessary things, not for like, you know, Mm. you have to refer this one to that one because it's in the in network or whatever it is, you
0: know, um, insurance wise. It is, it is great. I mean, it's a, it's a mindset, I think. Um, and it's a collaborative mindset to have. And I think that collaborative mindset comes out of the fact that you are, you are looking for the best outcome for the patient. And sometimes that comes together with a bit of a hat in hand idea of going to another provider and going, I can't fix this i don't know what the, right. w- what's your answer for this mm-hmm. um and i think i think that's a really healthy outlook to have and i think the more we have that kind of outlook just the better you know the better mm-hmm. it ends up for 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 the patient as you say we end up making more friends we end up having more people in our right. in our book um you know and you've got more people to you know if you if you if you come into a sticky situation more people to call and go what is this right <laughs> you
1: know? and over the years, the more collaboration I have, I feel like my practice has is evolving because you take a little bit of what you learn and you're able to educate better and speak different differently about certain things. And I know that if I stayed in a bubble, I probably wouldn't be doing, I'd be doing a disservice to the families that trust me because I wouldn't be learning anymore. And, and you know, like next month I'm speaking at a conference with my speech language pathologist and an occupational therapist. The three of us are going to be speaking to speech language pathologists about collaborative care efforts on time. And that's new, right? So that's like almost unheard of. I'm so excited about this because we learn in silos, right? We learn separately. Mm. Doctors learn with doctors. Chiropractors learn with, doc- with chiropractors. Midwives learn with midwives. Lactation consultants learn with lactation consultants. Mm. And then we never realize that we can learn together. We never, re- we never learn to collaborate, you know?
0: And I, I suppose tongue tie is almost a perfect vehicle for that because as we were saying in the intro, relatively new. That everyone's kind of jumped onto it. If you look at any of the consensus statements, I think the one thing that comes out is that there's no consensus. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, we're we we're, we're, <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting to our understanding. I mean, I was on. I was listening to Hazel Baker talk the uh, the other day about faux ties, um and mm-hmm. looking at the new research on that and what what that piece of tissue actually is. You know, and and mm-hmm. I'm learning all the time on on, on these things as well. Right. And I think it's one of those perfect opportunities where we can go,
1: let's all
0: bring our backgrounds together. And then mm-hmm. we can learn. And I think Tongue Tai is just this perfect vehicle to be able yeah. to do that.
1: And, and also because of the nature of what it is, randomized control studies are nearly impossible. Yeah. And that's the research that the medical field is looking for Mm. to prove that this is right and what I see and we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording Mm. what I see or hear when I speak to other professionals who do this in all different places is we're finding the same things we see things Things happening similarly wherever we are, When we do, if we do A, we see B. If we see, do C, we see D. And this is happening all over the globe. When we come together and talk about it, we realize that we're having similar experiences and seeing similar results with, with the patients that we're taking care of. So to me, that's an experiential research method that we're not really documenting but that you can see. Now, as far as the faux ties and all of that, that's very controversial yeah. and you can, there seems to be like a couple of camps in the tongue tie world. And it can be like a lot of static there. What yeah. I like to say is not to rule anything out based on anything and, and looking at each family, each baby is an individual, making sure that everything is taken care of on the lactation side of things mm-hmm. looking at their structure looking at the baby's function what it's able to do how the tongue moves and if you've done all the things then what else is it you know and and even if i like to say that tongue tie is a functional diagnosis so we go down the checklist of how things are working I also say that I don't think tongue tie is ever, I don't think phrenotomy or phrenectomy is ever an emergency. I okay. in most cases, we can take our time, make sure mom's milk supply is good, make sure there's some body work to release the fascia and make sure it's nothing that is in the the way the baby can't move. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's a procedure that when done right, in the you know, with the right tools and the right hands is not that big of a deal to deny babies the procedure based on, oh, maybe it's not a real thing, you know, because Mm -hmm. then these, you know, because we see it helping every day. I see it helping, you know? Yeah. But not just the procedure itself, right? It's never, it's never like, oh, let's just do (laughs) this and everything will be okay. Mm. It's rarely better. Just from having the procedure, yeah. all the other pieces have to be put in place.
0: Yeah, it's, abs- it's absolutely true. I mean, we've got we've got our wonderful ENT on here, Dean Gerson, who does who, who does the tongue tie releases, um, mm-hmm. and I mean he is deep within. The community of IBCLCs and deeper mm. than the community of body workers, and 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 it's all about this uh, the, the outcome. Like anything, uh, any other problem, the rehab is always uh, the nine tenths of the result. You know, it's what right. you actually do with it. You can you can right. put it in a place, but how? W- what's your you know what's your support to be able right. to move it forward? So it's uh, yeah yeah it's, it's and the
1: collaboration between a surgeon and an IBCLC is how they each learn, you know, like I know some, here it's pediatric dentists mostly that do the procedure. Mm -hmm. And I know some IBCLCs that have partnered with a pediatric dentist and actually sort of not help, not taught them to do the procedure, but taught them that, okay, when you do it this way outcome is better than when you do it that way you know like getting into the nitty-gritty about like laser settings and which healing works better and when when the communication is there between the providers which is unheard of about any other surgical procedure right imagine going in to the operating room with your doctor doing an appendix and saying oh i think you should do this you know that Mm -hmm. just doesn't happen but with tongue tie that collaboration helps everybody. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough, the, the um, dentist that is in my area that I refer to is Dr. Scott Siegel, who is one of the leaders in the world. I mean, people come from all over for his treatment. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't have to train him. He Mm -hmm. knew what he was doing beforehand, but we have a collaborative relationship where I can say to him, you know, Dr. Siegel, last week you saw so-and-so. And I think that you know it needs a little bit more or this is what happened and he's open to it and he'll talk to the parents and we'll we'll collaborate that way and vice versa he'll tell me he'll say you sent me this guy and you told me you thought it was a lip tie there too but I didn't see a lip tie and I didn't do it Mm -hmm. okay fine we trust each other's judgment let's see how nursing goes now kind of thing that's what it's about that's what it's all about
0: so Mm -hmm. lisapallagino.net is where people can get hold of you
1: um actually better is tongue-tie experts.net yeah
0: tongue-tie experts.net yeah yeah wonderful yeah um i believe and also
1: Thai experts on Instagram is is a good place. I'm, I'm
0: on yeah, Instagram a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's somewhere I I I haven't been in a little while. I've been detoxing myself, so I will <laughs> jump. I will jump onto there. I got rid of Twitter and I have not been on Instagram for a good while. But I think you have given me a good reason to pop back on it. Oh
1: on. yeah, it's fun. Instagram's fun. The young families are in, on Instagram.
0: It's true enough, huh? It's yeah. true enough. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's the it is the place to be. Lisa, thank, thank you so yeah. much for your time. I've really appreciated you being on. I think we had a wonderful, uh, wonderful chat. And I think, you know, the biggest, I always, I always get something out of it that I wasn't expecting when I, when I <laughs> chat with folks. And I think it's this cohesive work um, that I'm actually going to take into the practice, uh, you know, this this coming week now. Uh, that's going to be a mindset I'm going to have. How can I be as inclusive with other with other professions and maybe, you know, make it my mission to learn a little bit more about a profession that I feel I'm, I'm a little bit lacking on. Maybe that's something I'll take into next week and maybe that's that's something. a listening can do as well thank you very much for your time it's been wonderful to introduce you to my good friends at the pediatric network and uh, i'm sure you will see lisa jumping on a couple of the posts and that kind of thing as they pop up and you know please uh, obviously always feel free to jump on the facebook page and ask your questions and what have you um, but otherwise yeah any parting shots that you would like to leave us with
1: no i just want to say thank you so much for including me today and for inviting me to be here and for all the work that you do for families oh that's very kind
0: cool okay wonderful (laughs) to see you and uh i'm sure we'll see you popping up on the network scene
1: okay bye-bye